Welcome to Unlocking Innovation, a podcast from EX3 Labs in 1871. We'll be talking to leaders in innovation about what keeps them ahead of the curve in today's atmosphere of rapid change and how they cultivate a culture of innovation within their organizations. I'm your host, Adam Wisniewski. Today's guest is Paramita Das. Rio Tinto, the world's third largest mining company, recently opened their office in Chicago under Paramita's leadership. Even if you haven't heard of Rio Tinto, you probably have encountered their materials every day. Whether it's drinking from an aluminum can, using your iPhone, or if you're lucky, owning one of their rare pink diamonds. Paramita is here today to talk to us about the impact of mining on today's world, the responsibility her company has taken on on leaving a positive impact through green initiatives, and the future of mining industry as a whole. So thank you for being here today, Paramita. Um, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So Rio Tinto, huge company, um, recently expanded into Chicago. I'm curious why this expansion was important for you all. Well, uh, Rio Tinto is a mining company. As you know, it's one of the uh, largest mining companies in the world, mining and metal. Um, we have we are in 60 locations and six continents we do have a very large footprint we have been in the us for very long in several major and minor cities and historically we've been very traditionally focused on our assets our our projects our operations and as uh, we do our soul searching on our purpose and our relevance in the world today we realized that it ultimately starts with the market and it starts with our customers. So Chicago actually brings us closer to our markets and our customers. That's the primary location, the primary reason. It does bring us close to a great pool of talent. It's a great city which allows us to connect with most of our customers and our other locations very easily, a short flight or not a short flight away. And the fact that it's such a vibrant place where digital and talent kind of merge so well together. And I've had the pleasure of visiting your office. And I have to say, you all have the <laughs> best view in Chicago. Thank you. We always say that if commodities go uh, into a down cycle, we'll start selling the views for $5. So I'm very happy <laughs> I've done the marketing for that. <laughs> so I'm curious, um, your background, how does one get into mining? Is this an area that you were interested in early on in your career? <laughs> Uh, no, I wish I could say it with a straight face that that is the that, that I jumped into mining uh, because I absolutely wanted to be in the mining segment. I jumped into commodities um, and I was with a company called British Petroleum or BP. Uh, from there on, I got introduced to aluminium and I fell in love with the metals industry, I have to say. And then transitioning into Rio, um, the love fest has just not finished. It's it's a fascinating industry. Metal and mining has so much innovation, so much technology, and what a fabulous history of for our company itself. It's a 146-year-old company, and every year we try and behave like a startup. So that is the journey of a mining segment, and um, I've been an avid a uh, fan of the segment now. I tried to pull myself away for a short stint and somehow the gravity pulled me back and it has been a fantastic journey. And I've been learning so much about the mining industry <laughs> and its impact hmm. on the world, uh, especially over the last few weeks. Uh, for the listeners that are less familiar with all of the outputs of mining. Can you give a quick overview of what Rio Tinto does and the impact it has? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so um, 
We'd like to tell you about, you know, how big we are in Australia, how big we are in Canada, Mongolia, um, in South Africa and U.S. Uh, we have two assets, as we, as you know, in, or three assets, two assets running and one project upcoming in uh, U.S. But I'd like to start with why we matter. Our products are R&R. R&R is the largest segment um, those, that goes into steel. The buildings we are in, the cars that we sit in, are possible by uh, the steel that we are manufacturing from our R&R um, asset base. We are into aluminium. And you talk about aluminium, it's a, it's a new metal in comparison to R&R. But we are, when you talk about lightweighting solution, a sustainable solution for automotive segment, for building and construction, for the packaging, for the Coca-Colas, the Pepsis, Anheuser-Busch's of the world, it's aluminium. It has a brilliant future. And now we are even talking about an oxygen-emitting aluminium. We are into copper. Um, I would like to say copper and diamonds, but let me talk about copper because after diamonds, nobody wants to hear any more. <laughs> um, copper, we have been in copper for a very long time, and that is where um, our growth projects are. We have a large project out of Mongolia called Oyutogoy, and we have a second project running out of Arizona here in the U.S. Um, copper, if you see where it matters, uh, your electrification of the cars. We are, we are all big fans of the EV car revolution that is coming along. It will use three to six times more copper than a traditional car is, that is on the road. Copper is used for your HVAC products. If you think about the, in the future, we can even have um, traditional light switches and uh, your thermostats all in copper. So copper has a big play in electrification. And my favorite is the fact that you and I carry those coins in our pockets. <laughs> That can be copper. Our assets out of uh, Kennecott actually has gone through a green uh, change where um, the energy used in Kennecott, or as you call it, Kennecott Copper Mine, is now from renewable energy, which means that you can actually get a made-in-U.S. copper that is also a green product. And uh, when you try and talk to the 13 and the 15-year-olds about it, and you, you see their eyes kind of widening at the thought of what's a green copper, you know that the, we're doing something right. Uh, we have lithium. The battery technology, again, lithium will be a key player over there. Uh, we have borates. Now, borates is a very neat um, product segment that we have. You talk about the paints that we are working, that we have around the room. You talk about the fertilizers that uh, we use or people use um, around the world. Borates is significant there. It's a fascinating business. So I can go on and on about the different segments. I'll stop with diamonds, though. Uh, that's one of my favorites. I usually start with diamonds <laughs> when I have to attract attention. But uh, we also have two diamond assets. Fantastic. And borates specifically, I had no clue about any of this stuff. Like, <laughs> Most people so, don't. So many, it like, just every, I, I remember visiting the Rio Tinto office, and there was, was a series of products that were around. And it's like, yeah, that's got borates in it. And this has borates. It's amazing. That's um, absolutely true. So I'm, I'm curious. Obviously, mining is a very capital-intensive industry, and there, there's certainly complexities that are associated with it. What are the complexities, especially related to innovation, innovating, moving the needle forward in that, that area? Um, look, the complexity is the challenge in our segment. Um, when you look at Rio and the vast history that we have, 
You're talking about uh, jurisdictions which are difficult to get to, and you're extracting minerals from areas uh, with the technology and the, the you first have to have the pioneering spirit and the mindset to go in there. And then you have to use the technology and your uh, skill set and the learnings that you've had over the last uh, century to make it of use. Um, in terms of innovation, what we are recognizing is you have to start with the problem. And your first question to me was, why come to Chicago? You cannot go sit and try to solve for the problems just being in our assets in Australia, Canada, Mongolia, South Africa, Arizona, uh, Utah. You have to be where your consumers and your customers are. Understanding their problems becomes our problem. We want to be a part of the solution. And for us, when we say our mission and our purpose in life is to be a part of human progress, which direction? This is the start of uh, innovation for us. Then we take it down into, okay, what can we bring to the table? For example, I'll, I'll give you an ex a live example that you will probably hear about. For Since the day aluminium took birth, there was a second problem that uh, had taken shape. It wasn't told to the public, but uh, we have always been talking about how do we make aluminium carbon-free? the whole process of aluminium carbon-free. After 132 years of R&D, we have finally cracked the code where we are bringing a metal this year to uh, the world, which is going to be different. It's going to be carbon neutral, but it's not just zero greenhouse gas emissions or zero carbon. It's actually going to emit oxygen in the process. Now, when the first time my team actually told me about it, I had to say I sat down and I said, well, that I can see it playing in so many ways in the marketing spiel. But the simple fact that we are going to have the next phone that actually can be called, this, ox this metal was made emitting oxygen. What a lovely story is it, it is and how great it is for us as a consumer. At the end of the day, we as miners and metal people are also consumers. So it's a good story for us as, as well. So I want to make sure the listeners understood something that you, you just said, which was 132 years of R&D. Yes. <laughs> That's quite a commitment. That is a commitment. And um, it's, a, it's a publicized uh, uh, fact. It, the company is called Elysis. So we actually made a joint venture with uh, Alcoa, with the Quebec and the Canadian government. And um, the cupid in the making was actually Apple. And it was fabulous when Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, actually uh, said that I look forward to the day when the iPhone is going to be zero carbon uh, metal. So we, we are definitely there with him, and we are looking forward to that product someday in the future. Fantastic. I want to talk a little bit about the environment. Um, obviously, mining um, is, uh, you know, in, in some respects, um, every company has a, a – sustainability initiative and making sure that the environment is a, a top priority in terms mm -hmm. of the impact. Um, what are some of the, the concerns that um, are raised when it comes to the environment? And can you share some of the interesting kind of green initiatives? You mentioned some of the carbon ones. Mm -hmm. Sure. So um, tying back to your second question about myself, I've now worked in the field of sustainability for two decades, I would say. And this is the first time we are actually seeing the need for sustainable products so acute in the market, which is a fabulous thing for us to hear. 
we first start with customer centricity, that our products and our service have to serve our customers because you and the rest of the, the people and our customers are direct customers. If we can't solve for your problems, then we are not doing our job. When sustainability becomes a customer-centric need, then it is a vital part of what we are trying to solve for. And that we have been on a journey for a very long time as an integral part of our business. I mentioned decades, but Rio Tinto has been in journey for, for a very long time on sustainable future. Uh, just to give you some numbers, uh, we have uh, been working on our greenhouse gas emissions. We have been working on emissions per se, yeah, t t totally. And we had set targets we do our 10-year targets, our 20-year targets, but we've been setting targets. The last 10 years targets, we've all already exceeded our targets on that. Congratulations. Thank you. And now we are actually even going beyond to say, how, what products do we make which are going to have the green solution for our customers? Earlier I mentioned one of the examples that I mentioned was the green copper out of Kennecott, Utah, our made-in-USA copper. Um, it'll be a It'll be great when we actually have the coins and the pennies in our pockets, which are made from green copper. They're not only U.S. metal that has been mined from our fantastic Utah, the state of Utah, but it's also going to have that green legacy. Elysis is the second project that we are working on. It's a joint venture with Alcoa, but the metal is actually going to emit oxygen, and it's a, it's a culmination of... Yes, centuries of R&D, but definitely something that we are looking forward to very anxiously, even as customers and consumers ourselves, to hold that one product that is going to say it's actually an oxygen-emitting metal product. I, I, I get goosebumps even saying it. Mm -hmm. um, I myself, as an employee of Rio Tinto, I'm extremely proud of our green endeavors. Uh, let, let me just uh, talk to you a little bit about uh, some of the things that we've done in the recent recent past. Uh, in 2016, uh, we actually brought to the market an aluminum product called Renewal, which says that this product is made from hydropowered electricity. So for those who know a little bit about aluminum will know that it's a very energy intensive product. So we call it congealed energy. But when you congeal it, not from coal, but actually from hydropower, what a fantastic story and what a great product. So Renewal is a product that we've been working on. We um, even are looking at um, next round of solutions, which could call, um, potentially be closed-loop solutions. So I know many a times people think is we are virgin miners, so we have to go into the mine always to take out virgin material. But now as a market leader, we are also challenging ourselves to say what's our role in terms of urban mining, in terms of circular economy, and in terms of providing closed-loop solutions for our customers. Fantastic. So you, you mentioned several products that are – um, the result of mining. Mm -hmm. um, what's the one that surprises you most that you maybe when you joined Rio Tinto that you were surprised to learn about? The one stat that completely uh, made me stop and think was that 70% of our global operations is from renewable energy. And that's only growing. So we are challenging ourselves on an ongoing basis to say, how do we create a low-carbon footprint even within mining. And 71% is quite a staggering number. I was in uh, oil and gas, and no, I did not think that the miners could actually achieve this. So that was a pleasant surprise for me. Um, the other prize, uh, the other 
cool factor, I would say, which I use it with my family and my almost teenage son is that uh, Rio Tinto owns the largest robot. As an employee, I can't tell you how many times I love saying that statement <laughs> that it's not the largest robot in the world is not with... Yes, it's not with NASA. It's not with uh, the Australian Space Agency. It's not with any technology company. It's actually with a humble miner. So uh, definitely something to say. And then the fact that we've managed to actually reduce our uh, footprint. So just, just to put some numbers in context for you, um, Adam, we have, over the last decade, we have reduced our greenhouse, uh, greenhouse gas emission by 24%. The other emissions by around 43%. And uh, we had set targets for ourselves, which we thought were already stretched, but we have actually gone ahead and pushed ahead, exceeding those targets. So these are stats that make me feel very proud as an employee of Rio Tinto. Absolutely. And it's a great example, especially for our listeners, of uh, what's possible when, when you put your uh, your mind to something. Absolutely. Um, I know you are kind of leading the Chicago effort for Rio Tinto, and I'm I'm curious for a lot of the listeners who might be responsible for um, launching an office or a new market for mm -hmm. their own organizations, what advice would you give them in terms of making sure that you have a creator, create a culture of innovation? The people. I would say focus on the people. I, I know I, I get put in front of everything as saying I led the Chicago effort, I'm leading the office, but it's a collective effort. Um, every day when I wake up, that, that office gives me a sense of energy because it's the people that are in it. You have to find the right people who are going to take that innovation mindset and push forward. Everyone in that office will tell you they will not sit tight in their chairs. They will push leaders. I, I always say I work for them. Uh, and they come out and push the innovation mindset. Um, Today we are talking about, if you talk about um, you know, sustainable, we, we talk about responsible production. We owe it to ourselves and our employees, the people who are actually building the culture collectively. An organization doesn't build a culture. It's the people who build the culture. And that culture is, um, is a proud culture when you actually give them the runway to go do what makes them passionate. Each of Rio Tinto employees, at least in the Chicago office, are extremely proud of the innovative and the pioneering spirit that we embody. And they show it. They show it to the leaders on how to actually make it happen. Um, last year, uh, we were the world's first to uh, be named as the Aluminum Stewardship Initiative certified company. And I can tell you it's the effort of not only the Chicago folks, but also thousands of people around different parts of the world who have actually come together to get the certification and to be able to offer the market an ethically produced, responsible product. It's a pride. It's, it's something that makes us, it's, it's something that makes us happy when we actually speak about it. So that creates the innovation spirit that we are the world's first in bringing the responsibly produced materials to the world. And that catches the attentions of the Nespresso's and the Nestle's of the world. So you know about our MOU with them. That was because we were the world's first in doing so. So it sounds like the combination of really finding the right people, but then also giving them a rallying cry Absolutely, to, to, yes. to, to socialize around. Absolutely. Fantastic. So um, you mentioned technology and you mentioned um, 
some areas of, of mining that are, are helping you all propel things forward. Um, do you have a, a bold prediction that you can make around the future of mining? It's not going to be the same in the next 146 years as we have been in the past. Uh, that is one for sure. Digitalization, automation, robotics, and sustainability are going to drive the future. Today, the mines, um, so just for point of reference, we have 16 mines uh, in Western Australia. The next mine that we are going to do, it's a project called Kudairi. It's actually a digital mine before we, uh, we um, go into the physical side. We have we are literally going into the center of the earth with our Mongolian project. It's uh, digital and automation plays a huge role in that. So the way we used to do business, and Adam, you've been in our office, you mentioned that the black and white pictures are of carts drawing the minerals from the mine site to the place of construction or fabrication. We are now talking about robotic trains, the world's largest robot taking r and ore. Um, and running 1,700 kilometers, being operated by, an oper by a, a single person in the operation site out of uh, Perth and sitting 1,500 kilometers away. Uh, when you have such a big transformation, you know that the world in the next decade is going to be different. And I think automation, robotics, and digitalization will play a very critical role in terms of the way we approach the market and how we take care of our assets. We always say assets are at the heart. Assets and our customers are actually at the heart of our organization. And then sustainability is something that we will offer to our customers in the, going forward. Fantastic. And it sounds like autonomous vehicles are, are going to be a big part of that, uh, yeah. that automation. Interesting. It's autom autonomous vehicles in terms of drilling. I, I saw an article today where somebody said in his lifetime, it's uh, probably autonomous cars are not going to be possible to be seen. And it made me, f uh, I'm not as very active in social media, but it almost tempted me to write back and say autonomous vehicles have been on the roads for the last 10 years. It's just a site that you haven't been on. Right. So we've had autonomous car uh, trucks on our sites for the last decade, we got the autonomous train, and we are already working with autonomous drilling. So, um, yeah, autonomous uh, technology is here to stay. You are a leader in that. There's no question. I mean, there's certain industries that are trying to do the things that you, you have already done. Thank you. Um, if, if, if listeners are interested in finding out more about some of the work you're doing in mm -hmm. that area, um, do you have a place that they could visit? Should they look at a YouTube video, or visit the website. <laughs> we are on YouTube. We are on Twitter. So if they can follow Rio Tinto, um, and they will get to know a lot of the videos we like to take. It's very difficult to bring uh, Australia, Canada, the things that are happening, the fantastic uh, work that is happening in Kennecott, in, um, in Quebec, down to every city. So we are using technology. So if you follow us, follow us on social media and LinkedIn, um, or if you're a further have further interest and want to reach out to anybody, just uh, make a call to the offices, and I'm sure somebody will be able to help you with our with our little adventure in life. Um, but other than that, we are actually using technology like virtual reality. So now we are converting all our site visits into virtual site visits, such that we can take that little handy uh, device and go to our customers or keep it handy in our office for those who just want to have a glimpse of Australia, a glimpse of uh, what we are doing in our bauxite mine, uh, what we are doing in our uh, 
Argyle Mine, which is the pink diamond mine um, out of Australia, what we are doing in Mongolia, how we operate in uh, South Africa, what we are doing in Kennecott, in Quebec, in BC, the British Columbia. We'll be able to show it to you very easily. Today's world has become so small thanks to technology. And I, I love the obviously we're in, embedded pretty pretty deeply in virtual reality. But yes. what's interesting is that most people, especially people here in Chicago and in the Midwest, don't have as much of a concept for how large a mine is. <laughs> yeah. We just don't. For, for our listeners that don't have a concept for that size, is there an analogy that you can make to kind of give them some reference points? Um, sure. Uh, let me let me let me give it a try. I think our OU Togo mine right now, it's its literally, we are drilling in. So it's not a wide mine. Historically, mines had to be a wide real estate. Right now, we are going deep and then going lateral. The analogy I'll draw is right now, the project is the city, the size of the s- s- Manhattan. Wow. The whole of Manhattan would fit into the Oyotogo site, yes. Wow. Um, the other place I will say, if you so if you go to Western Australia to our iron ore mines, I can promise you, you wouldn't uh, really miss not being in the space shuttle that's heading towards Mars because it's red and uh, when you go there, you can actually get a glimpse of what it is being on Red Mount. As in red ground. Red mud has a connotation, mining, but red ground. So these are huge real estates that we are talking about. And uh, kudos to the smart engineers and the fantastic explorers of Rio Tinto who've made this possible. We owe it to them. We talk about um, 146 years of history, um, but we literally owe it to the 50,000 people who make this happen day in and day out. So. It was interesting for for people who live in Chicago. That usually the size reference is Soldier Field. <laughs> so they say like this is thirty two Soldier Fields essentially in size, but sure. the size of Manhattan that is ridiculously large. So a- Adam, I'm happy you're talking about size. I'll even say uh, for people in Chicago and, and many of my friends who've actually asked me about mining and what is it to be like in a mining and metal segment sometimes people think unless you're actually close to these sites they think of mining as you have the spades and the spanners and um, you're going into this dark hole where you're going to dig your way out or in Um, and I just want to say that it's gone far beyond we're actually giving the operators tablets we're not giving them spades and spanners we have robots doing a lot of the things and the people are actually doing more cool stuff uh, they are using data. We, I had my team crunch through um, five years' worth of data in the last one week, and apparently they crunched through a um, million and eight hundred thousand data points. So uh, the world is becoming so small, and I know we talk about the real estate is big, but to make it happen, things are becoming so digital. And very frankly, it's a very enjoyable place, very enjoyable as an employee. And what I love about the example you shared is that th- that's a, a perfect example of uh, robots and humans working in, in tandem yes. in, in, in technology enabling mm. already human skill sets as opposed to replacing them. So <laughs> um, what a great story. So I'm, I'm interested to um, hear a little bit more about the 
company culture that you have, mm-hmm. and also talking a little bit about innovation as a whole. Uh, obviously, with you all being at the forefront of different technology, um, certainly being um, expanding into to various markets. What what would you describe as the you know, keys to innovation more broadly? Pioneering spirit. I think uh, the company culture, you talked about the culture, and yes, it stems from a culture is made by the people, but it's the pioneering spirit that actually ties all of us together. And when you talk about, you you kind of mentioned uh, that you were surprised about the century-old plus um, R&D facility that or R&D success that now we have, but it's the, the perseverance. It's people will not give up. And one of our new employees in Chicago actually said, um, it is not for the faint of heart to be in Rio. And I know it sounds so dramatic when she said it, but it is actually true because the pioneering spirit is critical for us. And then it is about innovation. You cannot sit tight on today's glory. Yes, it's a great uh, world today, but we have to prepare for ourse- prepare ourselves and the organization for the future in terms of the downside and the upside. We have to push through the boundaries. You talk about um, sustainability. You talk about digital and for at one time when we used to take 11 years to crunch through all the geological data that would come out by our exploration team to make it viable for a project to happen. Today, with cloud computing, uh, that data gets uh, crunched in two hours. What do you do? Your speed to execution has been shrunk tremendously. And that means that we have to understand our customers' problems better sooner. And we have to be part of the solution. So that's what keeps us awake and that's what gives us the energy to work day in and day out towards the pioneering spirit i can definitely um uh, attest to, to the pioneering spirit we've had the the pleasure of working with um partnering with rio tinto and chicago yes, ideas week yes. recently on a an event where we kind of showcased how um uh, various everyday products were uh, the result of mining um and your team has been phenomenal to work Thank with you. so i can definitely tell that culture not only um it resonates with with you but throughout your entire team so i hope so um, they give it to me <laughs> Thank so, you. So one last question of the day, the most important question. What's the one app on your phone that you can't live without? Ooh, I feel like this is not a, a winning question. <laughs> there is no win here. Um, is email considered an app? Sure. Okay, we, we can right. give you that. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> uh, I would say a combination of text and email. Um, I'm on the move quite a bit, but I think that that app definitely helps me. And these days we are going towards almost the whole world of Rio Tinto getting into apps. So there are multiple, but um, I still am a big uh, email person. Any per- any personal ones outside of work that, that you gravitate towards? Uh, yeah, this is where I have to be very careful. <laughs> I think Uber. Uber, Uber okay. would be one that sure. gets me around uh, quite a lot of places. In fact, uh, uh, yes, Uber would be probably one. Now, when I go to Singapore, I've been told I can't use Uber and I have to use their their version of Uber. But in most cities, I can get away with using Uber. Uh, are you an Uber Eats fan? Do you use that at all? Yes, I the have delivery, tried yeah. that, yes. <laughs> and I can tell you it is convenient. The convenience factor has become extremely high with the apps. Yeah, It's interesting because for the first time... You know, 
not ashamed to admit this a little bit maybe i ordered just cookies from uber eats from a <laughs> i have ordered bubble tea in london from uber so i am guilty of that but you asked about apps and that brings me to another point that there was a time when uber wasn't there and life went on um but if you think about the world in the future we have to understand what's our uber future where where do we go from here and what does it mean um but also why stop here there is there are frontiers being opened up everywhere there are hyperloops apparently being constructed so um we can always reinvent the wheel but how about we actually use the 146 years of uh, knowledge and history and the do's and the don'ts and the learns and the pitfalls to our betterment so there is a play for all our minerals and metals in other places which are probably beyond just earth and you talked about the innovation and the pioneering spirit and what our culture is right now our ceo js sharks has actually put um a team together and their whole job is they are in australia and brisbane our office they do not talk about rio tinto as it is today their only work and we call them pioneers and astronauts uh we call their lab an astronaut lab it's actually a very special place um special in a very fantastic way and all their job is to challenge us about what the future will be so they are actually preparing us for the future and i'm looking forward to what fantastic ideas they bring forward So I, I love that and it, it sounds like something that a lot of companies could benefit from just by having the dedicated team just focused on that. We so. wanted to kind of remove them from the day-to-days of the world today. Let we are working towards with the customers and the world as we know today. Operations is working towards the projects and the world as we know today. Their objective is to say what's the real 146 years from now. I love it. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you for being here today. We Absolutely. really enjoyed thank you for uh, having, me. having you here and thank you for your partnership. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Really enjoyed and I wish you all the best. Your gadgets were fabulous, by the way. <laughs> I'm already stealing one of them. So, thank you, Adam. Fantastic. Appreciate it. Remember to subscribe to Unlocking Innovation wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to rate and review. To stay up to date with EX3 Labs news and events, follow us on social media. We're at EX3 Labs. See you next time. Mm-hmm.